Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to uh, this new episode uh, of our podcast series into uh, Innovation Ecosystems Unpacked. And um, today we're talking about access to capital uh, and uh, what would we need for access to capital? Why is it important? Are we having enough of access to capital here in, uh, uh, in the Netherlands? And um, yeah, t t today we are, we are uh, discussing also the easiness of accessibility of that, uh, of that part. And um, I have two great guests here today. Uh, Rinke Sonneveld, Director of uh, Innovation Quarter, one of the regional development companies uh, in the Netherlands, of South Holland. And Gianluca Valentini, um, who is uh, VP Marketplace Operations at Housing Anywhere, but also has a long history in terms of, uh, of funding and also part of a um, uh, EQT Ventures as Venture Advisor. Um, so today we will be talking uh, uh, about them, about uh, the access to capital. Um, Rinke, can I start with you? Um, can you tell us um, how did you end up here? <laughs> how did I end up here? Um, in my current role as the Director of Innovation Corps? Yeah. Or? Maybe when you were uh, yeah. 17 and uh, I, I, studying. In, oh, and okay, that, that, maybe that's a good starting point. Uh, I was 18 and I went to Amsterdam to study and I studied with uh, management. Bedrijfskundige uh, economie in Dutch. Because I was 18 and I wanted to have a fast car, a fast job, a fast wife. And I want to become a manager. I still don't know what it is. I'm probably in, I'm one, but I still don't know what it is. And somewhere along my studies, I went to a lecture by uh, Mohamed Yunus. And he was the founder of the Grameen Bank. And later on, he became Nobel Prize winner uh, because he's the founder of microcredit schemes worldwide. And then I decided, and of course, not because of this lecture, but because of everything was... Well, I was not really satisfied by my study. Mm -hmm. It was not really fair because I never went to university, so you can't complain about your study. But, but anyway, so I decided to switch to develop, development economics. And in development economics, entrepreneurship was something that was very deep into the core of this study because entrepreneurship is what you do to make mm -hmm. a living. Yeah. While I was studying Bedrijfskundige Economie, management studies, entrepreneurship wasn't mentioned once because everybody wanted to work for a corporate. And this was in the beginning of the 90s. And what we've seen afterwards is that more and more of the youngest and brightest students want to become an entrepreneur. And here, uh, Erasmus Center for Entrepreneurship is, is a very good example of that. Um, entrepreneurship is since then uh, one of the uh, key elements in, in my career. Uh, later on, I became director of industry and later on director of entrepreneurship within the Ministry of Economic Affairs. And one of the many roles and responsibilities I had was that I was responsible for all the regional development agencies in the Netherlands as a shareholder. Yeah. And then it was back in 2012 that a lot of uh, the, the municipalities, the province, the universities here in uh, in this part of the Netherlands decided we also want to set up a regional development agency and I was asked uh, to participate in these discussions as a, as a future shareholder. And somehow I winked twice with my eyes and ended up becoming the executive director. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what is interesting is that um, I think that South Holland uh, uh, is one of the last provinces with a, a regional development company. No, that's, that's, that, no, that's, not, uh, that's not the total story. 
used to have in what we call here in the Randstad, yeah, yeah. Uh, the province yeah. used to have a regional development agency for, 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 for decades. So, and there were four big ones, the Bom en Brabant, Oostenel, Lioff and Nom. We were the first one in the western part of the Netherlands. But later on, uh, one was established in the uh, Utrecht region. Yep. And now this year, uh, there will, be, will become one in the greater Amsterdam uh, mm-hmm. region. So we were, we were the first new kid on the block. Yep. At the moment, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm the director with the longest track record. So day one, you're the new kid on the block. And by far the youngest, yeah, and yeah, now yeah, seven yeah. years later, seven, you're yeah. the oldest, yeah. not in age, but in, in experience. Yeah. So uh, yeah, quite a lot has happened in uh, the yeah. last seven years. And and maybe also good, like what what uh, did the role change of a regional development company when you started in 2014, and where you are right now? And maybe also explain a little bit what what the role yeah, was then and and, yeah. and and what, what it is right now. Um, we are a company. Yeah. We are privately organized, but we have public shareholders. Yeah. So and our main aim is to strengthen. Um, uh, the economic structure within the region. Uh, we do so by mainly three tasks. One is we're responsible for attracting foreign companies to the region, but also more and more helping our SMEs on foreign markets to do their business over there. Second is what we call our innovation task or our business development task that's strengthening ecosystems and, and clusters by yep. running large uh, innovation programs, setting up open innovation facilities like field labs, helping with campus development, building consortia of companies uh, who want to work together, um, uh, but not what is not regular businesses, or it's either cross-sectoral or uh, working on innovations where there's not a clear business model yet. Yep. Yep. And the third part is we are, we are an investor. Yep. Uh, currently, we have uh, four investment funds uh, for slightly over 250 million euros. Um, we are one of the one, top, one, two, three top investors in the Netherlands in a number of deals. And what has changed over the years is that first we were a startup. I started on my own, uh, and now we are uh, we are 100 plus people. Yeah, we started with a small investment fund of only 28 million. Currently, we have four investment funds with 250 million, and probably by the end of the year, it will be somewhere around 320 and 340 million. So a lot has changed, uh, especially in my role. Uh, first, I was the founder, the entrepreneur, uh, not the entrepreneur that I was the risk. It was uh, not my course, own yeah. money, but it, yeah. it was my own reputation. But you run it as a company, yeah. I run it as a company as much as possible in, in the setting we have. Um, so my role has changed derma- uh, drastically from, in, in the beginning, I, I knew everything. And now uh, sometimes I hear more from talking people outside of innovation quarter, what's going yeah, on within exactly. our organization, what we're yeah. doing for great stuff than I hear within my organization. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. going to you. Also, maybe the question, how did you end up here? Uh, well, I think I'm a, an example, one of those entrepreneurs that um, saw the, the beginning of the EC, so the beginning of the startup scene in the Netherlands, especially in Rotterdam. And I also remember when the Innovation Quarter first started. Um, I think with my company at the time, uh, we were tenant number two or three mm-hmm. yeah. in, the, in the campus. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's yeah, my for office sure. yeah. now, <laughs> uh, former office. So I, uh, I came here to study initially, from Italy. 
And then I, I started a company basically right even before uh, graduating with my uh, roommate at the time. And the reason why I did that is because deep inside I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And I just knew I was going to, I have this passion for building companies, building realities and, you know, uh, walking into an office where you see people that are there, uh, that you're doing things together that you created. Um, mm. So um, I did that uh, for four years and a half, up to 2017, uh, when I exited that company. And at that point, um, I started to think, okay, what, what is next for me? What do I like? And I realized that I like both the operator role in a, as a founder, as a, a tech operator, but also as an investor. But I also realized that investing is something that takes experience, and I didn't have any. Um, and it also is not something that I want to do full time, something that I think is going to be more in my later stage of life. So I did decided to do two things. Uh, on one hand, I wanted to be uh, helping entrepreneurs like me to raise capital because I realized that capital is available. There's a lot of capital and I think today is even more than uh, just uh, three, four years ago. Uh, but there was a lack of, if you, if you want, uh, knowledge on how to do that. So I became a fundraising advisor and Housing Anyway was my first uh, client at the time. Uh, I know the original founder, uh, Niels. Yep. And uh, that led to a 9.5 million raise at the time. Uh, and next to that, I started to do uh, angel investment on my own initially, and then I was joined by other um, angels. And we created what today is called Great Stuff, uh, Great Stuff Ventures. It's an angel syndicate, and you know, the vision that we have is, um, you know, talent can come in many forms and shapes or from anywhere. Uh, often it just lacks uh, knowledge or network. So we wanted to be that first uh, bridge to access yeah. that. So that's why we say we like to invest in great people doing great stuff. Mm, cool. Yeah. Um, and also on the other side, I think the way the traditional VC model works is uh, not really, um, let's say, approachable by uh, all kind of, you know, um, upper class individuals. So I think there was a, a component about making it more accept, accessible to them as an asset class to invest because it's an asset class that is high risk, but it doesn't have to be necessarily. No. Uh, if there was more liquidity, it wouldn't be as risky. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, Great Stuff Ventures came to be uh, today uh, 10 members and we did over 12, uh, well, close to 14 investments actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, we already made one exit, which was a bit of a lucky shot, but yeah. happy about them. <laughs> Um, and next to that, I also became an advisor to EQT Ventures, which is another thing. So uh, they are part of the EQT group, which is a large private equity investment uh, or asset manager group from Sweden. They're stock listed and they have many, many different funds, you know, from uh, infrastructure to the more, most recent being the Ventures one, um, which was co-founded by Case Colin uh, from Booking.com. Mm -hmm. So there was a Dutch connection. Yep. And through that, um, I re was really captivated by the vision about being an operator or operating VC uh, and also their approach to data. So I just reached out and they uh, decided to work with me on an advisory role to, to find great people. And you know, my vision for that was um, there are many scale-ups here in the Netherlands that could make the next step. Um, and it would be great to put them on the, on the map, yeah. even more than they are yeah. already. So that's a bit, you know, I like to help in uh, bridging the two sides of the table. Yeah. Um, and it's an ongoing process. I'm still in the middle of it. 
Uh, and to conclude, yeah, today my role is uh, very op- uh, pretty much an operator at Housing Anywhere, where I focus on well, fundraising, but mainly the data part, yep. um, revenue generation, and uh, acquisitions. Yeah, nice. And just to um, and also, please, if there are questions, please ask them because it's uh, it's of course an open conversation. Um, so, of course, right, access to capital is an important aspect of uh, of an innovation ecosystem, also to let companies grow. How would you describe, I would say, the current situation in in the Netherlands? So uh, are are we doing a good job or not? Um, um, Maybe also from the experience that you got from the companies that you are uh, guiding or where you are uh, part of. Um, And also maybe a second question would be, do you think that is is it different for a startup or for a scale-up? Well, it's it's massively different, uh, clearly. Uh, the truth is, and this is something that I learned after my previous experience as a, as a founder, as a very young founder, because I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be more of the uh, of the uh, thesis that uh, we lack great investors, but I learned that actually mm-hmm. it's not that it's, it's not lack of capital because there is a lot of capital. Okay, nice. Yeah. And what I learned, what I saw is that um, great founders find capital and they usually find even more than what they need. Yeah. So there's like an, an information asymmetry yeah. that I realized firsthand. Uh, so for instance, in the Netherlands uh, with EQT, when uh, there are some companies that can raise, you know, five to 10, 20 million, usually they, they find their way to, uh, um, even to EQT even without me, can be the case. Uh, so those kind of exceptional companies or really good opportunities that are out there, uh, I think, there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of businesses that could be that great, but maybe they just lack uh, the knowledge on how to fine tune. Uh, it can be the presentation skills, can be their communication style, can be their thinking, the strategic thinking. Uh, so in that sense, I think there is a, uh, on the entrepreneur side, there could be uh, more more help or maybe more education on how to uh, think great. Yeah. Because in the end, VCs have a certain kind of expectations and they're not just giving you money to make twice the money, they have very, very high expectations. So you need to know the, play, the, the game you're playing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not for everybody, but if that's what you want to do, that's what you need to learn or the way you need to think. And for the investor side, what I saw is that, especially on the, on the angel level, um, network plays a huge, a huge role for both parties, the, the entrepreneurs and the and investors. What I'm lacking and what I, I am trying to change in my... A uh, little contribution is um, sharing deals more actively and combining forces and, and, and points of view to get a company fund instead of thinking about uh, maximizing your own allocation of cap table in the deals that you fund. Yeah. I think there is more value in, in sharing, as, as especially as angel investors, and, and sharing knowledge, deal flow, and, and people than trying to secure those few deals that you find and you know try to maximize on them. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is this is my experience so far. Nice, Rinka. How is it from your side? Because you are also well, at the I, table in, as a in general. I, I agree with what John Luke is saying about there is enough capital. Yeah. But what you see, and that that holds true especially for for soft tech companies and software as service companies, etc. But what you see is all this capital is looking for the best uh, risk return ratios. Yeah. And. For example, if you have high risk, yep. uh, really deep tech uh, proposition, 
uh, with a, a capt- and, and also capital uh, high capital intensity, it's rather hard to find money, especially in the early stages. Uh, and a lot of times that's where we come in uh, because um, well, we look at these propositions with it, with, uh, through a different lens, I guess. So in general, there there is enough money. Yep. And yes, if you're a really, really good founder, even in, in, in very difficult propositions, like I was, was telling you about, uh, you might find the right investors. But for a lot of companies, and a lot of times these are the kind of innovations that have the highest societal value, it's hard, it's hard to find capital, yeah. especially early stage, high risk, high capital intensity, um, it's still hard to find yeah. capital. And, and how do you look different at uh, those companies? What we do, and I think uh, the, the, the investment game we play is from a lot of uh, perspectives, even a nicer game to play because we look, yes, of course, we have to make a financial return, but we also look at what's, what's really the contribution of this company, of this innovation, yeah. and not contribution to our balance sheet, but a, a societal contribution. Does this company uh, solve a big problem um, in life sciences, sustainability, in, in, in high tech? And does this company also strengthen our ecosystems yeah. uh, we have here? And so we always take, uh, take a, a double-folded approach. Yes, of course, good financial return. But also, what's, what's the real contribution of this company? And so uh, we will never... Uh, invest in the next um, uh, boat sharing app or something like that. We invest in in deep tech, in uh, clean tech, in life sciences, in cybersecurity, in AI, in quantum, and uh, uh, the real fun stuff. Yeah, but and and if you look at that that particular part, do you also? Um for example, come across companies that are maybe right in the league, what Gianluca explained about that they maybe will find investment. Um, is that also something that you would step into because they are, mm. or, or is it, because I can imagine it's it's a, a battle between return on investment on the one hand, because yeah, you have revolving funds, etc., yeah. And on the other hand, yeah, the societal part, but you're still an investor. Well, the, so. Yeah, well, the, the, the official answer is if there's no market <laughs> failure, we won't invest. Yeah. That's the okay. official answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, but of course, there's a huge gray area. Yeah. We always invest from three of our four funds with private co-investors. Yeah. So uh, if there is in this investment consortium no uh, no place for us, there's no mm-hmm. place for us. No. It doesn't mean that we're all always a follow-on investor. A lot of times we are a lead investor mm-hmm. uh, and we look for the right private investors to join yeah. us. Um, but the official answer is, if there's no market failure, there's no there, there's no place for us. Yeah. But of course, we're not, as they call in, the, in Dutch, gekke henkie. Uh, we, are, we were, for example, uh, the very first investor in a company that's called Cybersprint, a cybersecurity company. Yeah. And the, the moment we stepped in, the only one who believed in the company was an angel investor. And later on, KPN Ventures joined us, Fortex Capital Partners joined us. And... We stay on board yeah. uh, because we're now in the position that maybe we're going to make a good return yeah. in, in time. So, um, but but for example, a lot of these these software tech propositions that that for them it's not that hard to to, to raise capital. You know, uh, 
what's our contribution? And what we also have to look um, from a different angle is really what is our contribution? Because money alone, you know, the, the great Dutch philosopher Jaron Cruijff once uh, uh, stated, a bag of money doesn't score a call. No. Um, so what's our real contribution? Is it only providing some capital or can, or can we add something to the company, to its future exactly. growth? Yeah. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves, but it's also a question each and every venture that's doing fundraising has to ask yeah. about an investor. Yeah. Nice. Maybe a nice uh, in intervention also in the, in the series is that uh, a question from someone also from the field. Uh, yeah. This relates, of course, to this topic. So, um, uh, uh, question especially to Rinke, but I think it's also nice uh, for Gianluca to respond later to it. It's uh, from, uh, from Machtel Groothuis. Hi Rinke, this is Machtel Groothuis from uh, Rubio Impact Ventures. Um, as a fund investing in Dutch uh, impact-driven entrepreneurs, we like to work together with the regional investment funds. And I wanted to ask you, uh, for IQ, what is your ideal co-investment partner and why? For, for me, uh, an ideal investment partner, um, the ideal combination for me is one, an investor on board um, that has a real uh, strategic angle. So, for example, a corporate venturing partner mm -hmm. that really knows the technology in the market and has international market access. Two, uh, a more entrepreneurial investor, for example, um, an angel fund or uh, an angel informal investor with, with rather deep pockets. Mm -hmm. I think one of the worst things you can encounter is an angel investor that steps in, gets yep. its share, sure. yeah. and then its place on the table, but once it gets tough, yep. doesn't have anything, anything, to, uh, anything yeah. to add. Yeah. Um, so the combination of, of a strategic uh, investor, an entrepreneurial investor, and, and uh, ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Gianluca, if you, yeah, uh, maybe same question to you, but also in relation to what, what Rinke told a little bit about huh, the role of the uh, of a regional development company investment, how would you um, uh, describe what, what, huh, what are uh, potential uh, nice partners to invest uh, with from, from your experience? Um, well, if, if I speak personally um, as uh, Christoph Ventures, so with our angel yeah. syndicate, we're a rather small investor. And we like to say that we help mainly with network. So um, one of our propositions is we're a small investor, but if you're missing capital, we're going to find it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, uh, one of the things that I spend particularly a good amount of time on, uh, getting to know other investors and also knowing who are the partners that are nice to work with, right? Yeah. Who can, um, yeah, they just don't have a fund, but they also know you know, how to deal with, uh, you know, situations that can be thorny, uh, how to deal with, you know, when things don't go as well or as uh, your nice projections uh, yeah. showed, um, but also who can help with uh, more access to capital. So uh, well-networked and uh, and well-known in the, in the industry. Yeah. Uh, there, are, I think there are quite a few uh, examples of investors that maybe are more of a narrow focus on their own operations and they don't spend as much time on it. Yeah. And those might be in those those seats at the table that uh, at a certain point you feel, yeah, uh, you might even have a big stake, but yeah. it, you you know you, your value add has, uh, has ended. Uh, so we try you know we try to look to do to look for that as a, a co angel investors, let's yeah. say, or even with early stage VCs. In the case of equity ventures, is very different. Yeah. Uh, they have the full uh, the full fledge of services in house. 
they have the venture funds, which is uh, over 600 million, 650, I think, the second one. Now they have a growth fund, which can do, I think, from 50 million plus. And um, that is also in quite quite a big fund, it's not yet announced, but they, uh, they deploy uh, good, good yeah. quantity of yeah. capital. And they also spend a lot of time in uh, uh, assisting operationally, so uh, recruiting, so finding talent, finding executives, uh, connecting you. Uh, they also have a presence in the U.S., so they um, they often help you to bridge yeah. the gap. And they have the whole private equity M&A uh, expertise in-house. Yeah. So in that sense, they have an approach where like we do everything in-house because yeah. we can. When you are a just a, a VC firm, then my suggestion would be get to know the people and you know see them as business partners, not as competitors to exactly. for a location. Yeah. Because is this also maybe now the discussion a little bit open towards the future? Because that's, I think, interesting. So where should, I would say, the capital landscape be developing towards, right? So you're saying like hey, investors are taking on a different role. So they're also more in a supporting phase of things. Why do you think that they are doing that? And maybe also the question is, is that a good thing? Or do you should remain just investor and then maybe other people supporting? Or is it because there's a lack somewhere? What is there? Maybe Rinke, you can... Well, the general, first, there yeah. are a couple of things I'm seeing and a couple of things I'm hoping. One of the things that I see currently uh, is that you, the, the professionalization of informal investment. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the old days, uh, an angel investor was a guy in the 60s who sold his SME company and thought, okay, next to playing golf uh, three times a week, I'm yep. going to invest small tickets in, in, in startups. Nowadays, what you see is a lot of serial entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who sold a company in their late 30s, early 40s, or even even younger, yep. who start investing. And they bring a totally different experience to the table because they're, they're still entrepreneurs and they are still very well connected uh, in, 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 into the world of the uh, innov of our innovation ecosystem. Um, but what we also see is much larger tickets by, uh, by informal investors. Um, we have um, uh, ancient investors as co-investors who bring, uh, without blinking their eyes, 1 million euros on yeah. the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back in the old days, it was 40, 40K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that, 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 that's a totally different ballgame. But do you think this, is all, did, this helps? To, of course it helps. To, and and helps. why is that? Because it brings not only money back into the yeah. ecosystem, but it brings also a lot of experience back into yeah. the ecosystem. So this whole giving back yeah. uh, mentality uh, uh, is, is speeding up. And the more, uh, the, more um, uh, the more we see that companies are being sold and a lot of these um, uh, entrepreneurs earn a lot of money, the more of this money will flow into the ecosystem, yeah. in our ecosystem. So that's one. Two, and that's more something I hope for, is what you see a lot of Dutch startups, and maybe the, the real good ones that have uh, this problem less, is that they're hopping from milestone to milestone, from investment round to investment yeah. round. And what I hope for is that we see more investors who have the cuts to bring serious money in an early stage on the table and to give these companies uh, time and trust to build our company. Yeah. And time doesn't mean uh, sit back and relax. No, 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 no. no, no. It's still, you know, yeah. um, but a lot of these, a lot of startups, they're hopping from uh, milestone to milestone and from uh, investment round to investment round. Yeah. 
and that takes a, takes away a lot of energy, a lot of focus from what yeah, from what they should be doing. From, should. All right. So um, uh, my next question would be. Um, if you look at it from the investor side, so more question to you, Rink, like public versus private, right? So uh, is that is that something, is that a, uh, a good relationship? Does, is it, does it work well for you? Well, m maybe more from a national yeah, perspective. Sure, yeah. um, the, the, the amount of public money in, in VC is, is, is huge. Yeah. Uh, we are involved, the regional development agencies are involved or, uh, with more than 50% of all VC deals on a yearly basis. But a lot of private investors in the Netherlands also get a big chunk of their money from, from the public sector. Yeah. Either via the Seeds Capital Scheme, yeah. Yeah. DVI, yeah. European Investment mm -hmm. Fund. We do fund investments ourselves, uh, municipalities, etc., etc. So, um, I think the, um, the division between public funds and private funds is uh, not as big as people might think. You know, my, uh, my, my investment managers, they have a background with INCAF, with, uh, with SET, with prime ventures, etc. So there's more private experience and private mentality within public funds and there's more public money within private funds. But I think we should have a discussion about uh, how we get more private money um, uh, within the uh, within VC uh, because mm -hmm. I think there is there is the, the the balance between public money and private money is not the right balance. Yeah. So it, and it's a European yeah. problem. Yeah, I general. just wanted to say, like, it's it, is this problem. different than yeah than than the US or this uh, different China than or? US? This is yeah. different than Israel. Well, well, maybe Israel. There's also a lot of public money involved. This is different, but it's it's. It's uh, without a doubt different with the US. It's also quite different with the UK. Yeah. But it, it's it's it, it is a uh, European problem. Yeah. Okay. But it's better than no public money with the current stage of uh, where we are with our startup ecosystem. Yeah. Than no public yeah. money. No, no, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So, Jaluka, is this different? Is this for you something where you say, well, uh, I also experience that because of public money. Uh, things are different uh, in a positive or negative way or um, I think it helps uh, it helps to just have more capital available to entrepreneurs uh, sometimes I, uh, I question how the allocation is, is, is done mm -hmm. um, but it's not a segment that I, I know very well know that I work with uh, regularly uh, other than in, in the case of I think the, the corona corona uh, loans that yeah. were handed out during the pandemic I thought uh, there was an example when you know when there is urgency, when there is uh, real need. How basically you know a, a country or, or like a set of institutions can really work with each other yeah. uh, to to help businesses. And I think you know I've seen several countries how they responded to that. And I thought the Netherlands was uh, was a, a you know a very uh, yeah very very positive outcome um, and probably one of the best in Europe in that from from helping businesses yeah. in housing anywhere. Also because of that we were able to not lay anybody off, uh, which I think is something that a lot of scale-ups in, I don't know, even just the UK uh, can't say. No. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think that that is also, for example, what we see in the, um, uh, uh, in the research, right? So, like the NOA uh, uh, regeling, that was 
they look at previous years, but especially for scale-up, that's a problem, right? Because previous years, your numbers were lower, so uh, the effect is less than, than that. Rinke, yeah, you, you set up also uh, this, um, this corona uh, uh, loan or bridging yeah. loan. So what was your experience like giving it, it out? What, what, what was the response back from companies? In terms of how 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 did the, how, how did it whether they cut yeah. money or not? Yeah. Now, a lot of them were, were extremely grateful, yeah. uh, because it, for a lot of companies it was do or die. Probably housing anywhere would have survived, but prob- but it would be they would be yeah, thrown back, back in a time, of years. Uh, yeah. two or three years. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of companies it was do or die yeah. getting this Corona Bridge loan, and uh, as you might know. I, I was the initial initiator yep. uh, nationwide. I, I designed uh, the, the Corona Bridge Loan Scheme uh, for a large part. And it had to do with back in 2008, 2009, I was responsible for the crisis response team within the Ministry of Economic Affairs. So I, I noticed what was going on in the market. And I yep. also uh, noted that uh, once this set of uh, measures was uh, being announced by, by the national government, that they wouldn't help that much for enough of companies, for startup scale-ups yep. and enough of SMEs. So that, that's why I took the initiative to come up with the Corona Bridge Loan. Of course, it, uh, it asked a tremendous lot of our, our organizations. Uh, you know, um, um, back uh, last year, we provided 160 uh, ventures with a Corona Bridge Loan alone for this region yeah. and next to our portfolio of almost 100 companies uh, we have to take care of next to the 30 investments we did yeah. last year so um, it, 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 I asked probably too much of my people last year uh, and the responsibility uh, weighted also very heavily on their shoulders because yeah. it was do or die for yeah. a lot of companies. Exactly. Because it, it, uh, you all also see also from a research perspective like during crisis times, right, then the interesting investments uh, come up, right, or, or you can make interesting investments. Is that also something that you saw, Gianluca, like last year? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, you know, um, wealth inequality is, is really visible in a certain uh, environments and you really see how uh, when like an economic or microeconomic shock like that happened, um, you know the people were suffering or they were somehow getting out of, of, of difficult situations. They were thrown back into it, and those people actually had some some capital already. They uh, you know they took advantage to to make smart investments. Uh, I think you know in the case of real estate, we see uh, a lot of uh, real estate uh, you know buy to lend kind of um, players that advantage of that and instead of seeing prices going down prices in real estate uh, mm-hmm. remain, yeah. remain the same level why is that well because those who actually had money they saw an opportunity to buy cheaper and those who yeah. didn't or they were building up their little uh, wealth yeah they, they took a step back mm-hmm. yeah. and that's really unfortunate so but, but i saw a lot of deals coming uh like a lot of firms that, that did um same terms around as the previous years and they also look for, uh, uh, say, uh, other capital sources. So as an angel investor, we, we got a lot of deal flow, which we would consider as uh, outside of our range. Mm. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I was there for the takings. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I think, I think in general, last year, you saw three different responses from uh, investment funds. One, investors who uh, felt responsible and who acted responsibly. Yeah. We said, okay, this is a crisis. Uh, we know this is going to be a fee crisis in some form, and we're there for the companies we already yep. invested in, but we also feel responsible for uh, for the ecosystem. Yep. So we're here, 
uh, we were there in good times, we were here in bad times as well. Then the second was, and um, especially in, in, in the first two quarters of the year, you saw that response uh, quite often is wait and see. Yeah. You know, we're going to focus on our current portfolio. Our portfolio yeah. We're not going to do any new investments because you know there's too much risk in the market. And the third response was, and maybe that that's it also consists of two parts. We thought, okay, this is very interesting time to do new investments, and uh, some of them they would try to enforce deals that were maybe yeah. not that fair yeah. for 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 the for ventures. The, for the ventures yeah. So that that was the bad part. But there were also yeah. some who really showed an entrepreneurial exp- um, approach as investment funds. Okay, if one of, one half of the investment funds is leaning back, we're stepping in. Yeah. So uh, there is no uh, no bigger picture. Uh, there were totally totally different approaches by different yeah. funds. Nice. So what is also nice is to to discuss a little bit uh, also with the question that that we got from an from an entrepreneur um, uh, about yeah maybe it's best to, to just to show uh, the question otherwise I will tell the question uh, before we go. Yeah. So, so the question was um, uh, like um, that. Um, um, there are typically more investments in B two B instead of B two C. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's more like an open question on the table. Like, do we see the same thing, or is it in particular markets, or are these investors, uh, let's say, not part, or we don't have contact with them, or um, uh, how is a little bit there? Uh, yeah, yeah, your view on that. Yeah, I can answer. So I know Iris uh, uh, talked to her and her and her team, and they uh, well, she's an exceptional founder, and uh, she has a very strong uh, team around her, uh, and they are indeed more B two C. And I agree with her that B two C or, or even just direct to consumer is a bit more uh, uh, challenging to raise capital, especially in Europe. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of, of consumer products and consumer startups. Like I have a very big appetite, but it takes. Uh, indeed, it takes a bit of guts. Uh, it's a little bit less predictable. Um, it can go very well, it can go very bad and very quickly. So I guess it's not for everybody. Um, but I think it's changing. I think it's, uh, I see more and more consumer uh, startups that are, um, are popping up and they're receiving capital. So I think that the trend is, uh, is in favor. Um, we had a big swing of the pendulum toward B2B. Now I think it's swinging back. Um, not many examples of that, uh, I think, especially in uh, uh, retail distribution of uh, FMCGs. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's one of the markets that I've been observing for quite some time. And now it's, uh, you know, Picnic was one of the examples, but there are other initiatives that are coming into the lands yeah, from Germany. But Picnic is, is not a, a fast-moving consumer goods company. It's a tech company, of course. 
Yeah, true. But they brought uh, that innovation to yeah. to that uh, yeah. to that field, uh, which is the the real that basic yeah. consumer yeah. needs, um, and, and there will be more more like that. So. Yeah, we are, we hardly invest in B two C no. companies. And, and uh, yeah, but uh, is it is it is, do you think it's a problem? A recent investment we made was in Peter Pot. Of mm-hmm. course, that's yeah. also more or less uh, a B two C company. But we hardly invest in B two C, and we we don't invest in fast moving consumer goods. That's not the name of the game we're in. Um, is that a problem? Well, there are there are specialized funds in in in, uh, uh, in fast moving consumer goods. And they help you build a brand, etc. Mm-hmm. But um, it takes another kind of investor than we are, and yeah. a lot of funds are. Yeah. yeah. But and and do you think from from European, like in the Netherlands, uh, because uh, the remark was made, like, hey, there there's maybe less access to. I don't know if there is capital, but less access to B two C investors. Or is it a difficult question yeah. in terms of yeah. as, as investors because I yeah. am not per se an expert. Yeah. So sometimes it takes me longer than somebody that maybe has built a company okay. B2C yeah. uh, to understand the business yeah. opportunity. And you know, uh, some investor might just be like, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So so during the break we discussed also a little bit about um, right investor partners, right? So who are you going to partner up with uh, in terms of an investment and also the experience in that because Partnering up really opens up right more opportunities to, to for companies uh, to to grow to invest in, but also yeah it can sort of uh, have an issue in terms of collaboration. What yeah what what Gianluca what what did you experience with working together with different investors and um, yeah so what could yeah I would say go wrong or um, yeah what I what I mentioned earlier is that um, you still have a heritage of uh, when it comes when it comes to venture capital firms. A heritage uh, there's more leaning toward the finance part uh, so uh, there's still firms that don't have operators in their teams or people that come from uh, creating startups or, or businesses but more from uh, can be investment banking um, and the way they think about the business is more of a uh, excel spreadsheet to some extent so it can be that when it comes to difficult situations um, you know a lot about being a good investor is about asking the right questions <laughs> Uh, at least that's what I try to focus on. You know, when I'm, when I'm advising a founder, I I don't know the answer for them. I can only try to make them think by asking smart questions. And sometimes, uh, if you haven't been in the shoes of founders, you know, uh, you know, it can be also you know personal level, right? You know, like the the self doubt about being a founder is something that if you haven't been there, you don't know how to identify with. And and I think that if you have only done investment banking or or, or investments. Unless you have like a track record, I know twenty, thirty years in, uh, you know, working with founders, you might like that insight. <laughs> that doesn't help the founders in the end. Okay, Vika, was that a little bit questions before? But uh... Uh, I think um, both um, startups as well as investors, investors should be more picky about uh, which investors they want to work with. Yeah. S- should spend more time on. Is this a true match, not only for the good times, but also for the bad times? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, we, we, we are, have done over, well, we've done over 150 deals, and in, I think somewhere in the upcoming one or two months, we're going to announce our 100th uh, portfolio company. So we probably worked with 200, 250, yeah. maybe 300 uh, different co-investors. And with some, you have a really good match. And a really good match doesn't only mean that you can trust each other, that you can work perfectly fine with each other, but also that um, 
that you bring another experience to the table. But I think for a lot of uh, startups, they are so happy that they find an investor that yeah. they don't spend enough time in, is this fund, at what stage is this fund? Is it a, a closed-end fund which is already invested for seven years and you're the last investment of this fund? fund yeah. sure. That is not the best investor, most probably, because that means that they can work to an exit within three or four years' time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, pay more attention to uh, which investor you want to bring yeah. on board uh, and where they're at. Yeah. Because you you, uh, um, you you're also working with with IQ towards uh, in investor readiness types of progress, but also uh, investment readiness, or let's yeah. say uh, the in, in, to make the investors, uh, the, the especially the angel investors, more ready to 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 work. In it. Is, do you think this is also, I would say, the, the 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 solution in terms of what you can do? But or do we need to also structurally change something in this in this well, area? We, we, we don't run investor readiness pro programs. You know, I think that's for the angels themselves mm -hmm. to organize yep. them in any way. We're going to um, uh, scale up an investment readiness program. We already did some pilots with it. It's being developed by our colleagues from, from the BOM. Yep. And um, because a lot of these companies, they don't know what an investor asks from them. And, you know, it, it, it's an uneven game sometimes. So you should help them pre prepare themselves better. Um, and that's also good for us as an yeah. investor. Yeah. And that is also a little bit what you relate to, like that you teach them, like listen, think about what the investor at what stage yeah. they are, etc. Right? Because that is where maybe the most. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes an invest uh, an, a company decides not to uh, uh, accept us as an investor, yeah. and if they do that for a good reason, I think that's a very wise yeah. decision. Chaluka, I agree. I think it comes down to understanding how. Um, VC structures, LP, GPs relationship work, um, and uh, and also their incentives. Yeah. So that's also part, you know, that you know I've been I've been there. Uh, where like, oh, you know, we get the money, you know, happy days, uh, but it's just the beginning of the story, and there is much more at play. And uh, I've seen some initiatives of uh, kind of fun, you know, intermediaries that instead of um, advising companies on or, or say funds on who to find how to find companies, but rather they advise strong founders on who are the good investors out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a couple of initiatives, but it's, it's becoming more of a, of, a, of a topic where you can choose as a founder and you should be choosing. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So maybe also as a, as a question, maybe last question. Um, um, so how, what is both your advices on how companies or ventures could best use the ecosystem, uh, especially, of course, X2 Capital? Right? So what would you advise them? But what are things that you say, well, uh, uh, try to use the ecosystem in, in this manner? Usually uh, it's, it's about, you know, first of all, being, you know, uh, a great individual of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, a, a process that you can do for being a founder, but just for being, you know, alive in this mm -hmm. sense. So, the more you invest in yourself and educating yourself, the more you're going to be able to have interesting and, and uh, um, interesting conversations with other people in the ecosystem that can point you at other people, right? So usually good people or great people know great people. If you enter in that cir circle, you're going to be, uh, you know, accepted as, as, a, as, a, as a peer and then, you know, it becomes much easier. So uh, that's why I stress a lot on, you know, talking to man as many people as you can, but also cherry picking those you follow up with. Yeah. Um, Trying to be to have quality conversations, uh, try to learn, listen a lot, and 
never take it personal in that sense, you know, so it's always like, even when it might feel like a failure, turn it into, okay, that was just a learning. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a process. It's, you're chasing something that you'll never reach, but the process of chasing is what is worth it. If you do that, uh, it's, it's not difficult to enter the network and, you know, it's just a matter of time before you can raise capital, before your company can, can uh, accelerate. Nice. Yeah, okay. well, I think my answer is, is similar. Connect and engage, but also be picky. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of startup events where uh, most of the people present are lifestyle entrepreneurs or would-be yep. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a serious entrepreneur, go there once, uh, but don't go there twice once you've noticed that. Um, ask a lot, mm-hmm. learn a lot, give back a lot, but also um, if you ask an investor or you ask someone like me, a serious question, nine of of 10 times, you get a serious answer. Uh, But don't uh, waste the time of serious people with unserious questions because you want to make a conversation. But if if someone sends me uh, a WhatsApp this afternoon, Rinka, um, we're facing this problem, can I have your advice? We can call tomorrow, tomorrow is Saturday, we can call tomorrow without any problem. But if you send me a message, bloody, 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 blah, can we have a cup of coffee together? You know, why should I drink a cup of coffee with, with, with thousands of people? Yeah. Um, you don't have time for that. No. I don't have time for that. All right, I think that's a nice uh, closing. Um, um, uh, okay, but okay, maybe last question because we always ask <laughs> this, right? So, um, any anything, any less, I would say, last thought or something that you that you would like to share, or maybe say, okay, yeah, maybe we we didn't touch upon this on the podcast. Of course, we can talk for hours. I think about this, but still, um, no. Um, uh, I always like to say, uh, I think you mentioned that, right? So. Um, it's always good to think what you can give, what you can contribute, right? Mm-hmm. So you can only be part yeah. of an ecosystem, if you, even if you, uh, only if you can give something. Yeah. Uh, as much as that something might be very little at the beginning, but that's fine. Uh, as long as you're willing to give, then you're going to receive. That's okay. kind of my principle. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, <laughs> then we're going to finish off here. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, Gianluca, Rinke. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, especially looking forward to what is going to happen in the next, uh, I think, upcoming years for... Uh, maybe last question. Where is IQ? Yeah, sorry, I, I forgot this. Where, where do you think IQ is in the upcoming five years, I would say? What, what, is, what, is, the, what is your, your role? What is? Uh, that's a very difficult question yeah. because um, as an investor, I could answer it, but... but uh, our responsibilities have you know, mushroomed yeah, yeah, yeah. over the last mm-hmm. seven years, and um, we should keep a focus on where, yeah. where our biggest added value is. So that's that's a discussion we're okay. in the midst of. Uh, as an investor, uh, I hope um, we will be there where we're most needed. So early stage, high risk, um, deep tech, capital intensive and patient capital for energy transition. Nice. I think this is pretty concrete already. Yeah. Yeah. Gianluca, where are you? Uh, all right, are you company in five years? You hope to be? Uh, still as an operator and mm-hmm. as an investor on the side. Yeah. And um, uh, my vision for that is to uh, make angel invest- investing uh, more democratic uh, for more people nice. uh, and more collaborative. Nice. So that's yeah, really nice. what, uh, what motivates yeah. me. Cool. All right. Thanks again. And I hope to see you soon.
Thank you.